you provide everything that we need. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. We pray that as we continue to worship you, that you will uh, be lifted up in this place, that God, that we will see that you are everything that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. As God's Spirit works within us, we are being transformed. It's not a one-time event. To become more like Christ. This change from one degree of glory to another, one level of maturity to the next, comes from the Lord. Amen. Good morning, Impact. How's everybody doing this morning? All right, a little cooler weather that makes it nice. I see we got a few more people sitting in this area because it's not as hot today, so that's awesome. All right, so welcome to Impact Church. If you're visiting with us here this morning, we say every week, um, we're, first of all, we're glad you're worshiping with us here, but if you're searching for a church home, a place to really get plugged in, to settle, to anchor in and serve, man, we hope the Lord would lead you right here. God's doing an amazing work. We're uh, only uh, not even quite seven years old as a church, just getting started. God's doing an amazing work uh, in and through this church body, and we would love for you and your family and your friends to be a part of it. So welcome this morning. If you're looking for a church home that preaches God's word unapologetically and does not sugarcoat it or water it down, you're in the right place. All right, so welcome this morning. And uh, a couple things, if you missed uh, David O'Brien uh, announcing earlier here this morning um, about if you're interested in being a part of the uh, uh, Life's Healing Choices uh, group and study. The book is $22 for the book and the uh, work uh, book. You can give cash or on Vimeo. Uh, if you have any questions, get in touch with him or, or Debbie before you leave, and y'all can get all that settled up. Um, also, um, I believe your granddaughter is Elliot, uh, is, is uh, having some, some issues, uh, David and Debbie O'Brien. So we want to be in prayer uh, for her, an 18-month-old a uh, little girl um, having some uh, breathing and, and throwing up, some bobbing in the running test. They can't really figure out what's going on. They've had to intubate. So we just want to be in prayer uh, for her um, as well and that family and those needs so as well. And then we're going to continue in our sermon series here just to let you kind of know where we're at. We've been in this sermon series for uh, quite some time, a couple over a couple months now, probably three months. And we've got uh, roughly three more messages uh, in this sermon series after today. So uh, you want, you're not going to want to miss the next four to five weeks here at Impact, all right? Because next week, we're going to be talking about um, self-image, uh, self-esteem, and a message called Mirror Madness, all right? Something we all deal with from time to time, so you're not going to want to miss that. Then the week after that, September 24th, um, that Sunday, we're going to have a special speaker come in. We're going to have Zach Clinton um, he's part of the Built Different, does his own podcast. He speaks a lot at LU to a lot of the athletic places. Many of you guys would know him from the Ignite uh, conferences. He's the host of the Ignite conference and whatnot. He is going to come and speak here to, to, um, to us September 24th. Do not miss that. Make sure you bring people. I want to pack this place out and bring all our extra chairs in. We'll scoot everything in, do what we got to do to get more chairs and because uh, you're really going to want to hear from what he has to say from a biblical perspective on mental health, everything we've been dealing with through this barrier breaker series, he's going to kind of encapsulate and address it in the mental health aspect with a biblical perspective. So don't miss that. And then the following week, we'll close this series on October 1st um, with a, a message on uh, the biggest barrier to break in that spiritual warfare, the attack that we all have on our lives. OK, so that's going to put the bow on this series. Don't miss any of these messages. The following week, we'll go back to our expositional preaching where we usually take books of the Bible and go through. And very likely, that's going to be the book of Esther, all right? Unless the Lord changes that, all right? And there's going to be a reason that we dive into that book, okay? So we'll see what happens. But exciting times, so don't miss a week and bring some people in. So let's get going today in a very uh, applicable topic today that I know every single one of us in this place deal with. And that is stress. Hurry. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Do, do, do. Go, go, go. Does that sound really familiar to anybody besides me? Because I'm going to tell you, life in this world we live in is stressful. There's a lot going on, and we get pressured to hurry. So today's message on managing stress is entitled, entitled Relieve the Pressure of Life. 
relieve the pressure of life. And you're going you're to get this picture today of letting the pressure off a pressure cooker and all the steam and pressure just sort of balloon deflating or however you want to picture it. We want you to be released today, all right, from the hustle and bustle of life for a purpose. How many of you guys, y'all are um, kind of old school like me, y'all have ever played Pac-Man? Anybody ever played Pac-Man before? Come on, come on. I know y'all more than that have played Pac-Man. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Everybody had an Atari back in the day. Okay, I know y'all played Pac-Man. And so you got this little dude is going around this kind of maze, and he's picking up all these dots, and there's these ghosts chasing him. And, and if the, you run into a ghost, you die. Okay, y'all remember that? But then there's these big dots or I think it's like four, maybe five of them on the board, that once you eat those, or there was a power pellets or whatever they were called, then there was this turn, there was this point where you could turn on the ghosts, right? Said, oh, no, it's my time, okay? And then you had this certain amount of time, though, to beat the clock, to get as many ghosts as you could, and then it was over. But what did we always do during that time? Try to get as many as we can, Right? Hurry, hustle, go, 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 go. I get the power pellet. I'm chasing them all over. Oh, if I get one more, one more, one more, one more. Oh, I'm a little late. You're dead. Right? Y'all remember that? Guys, if we're not careful, that's exactly what we do in life, isn't it? We try to beat the clock. We try to race through. We just try to get one more thing done, one more thing, one more thing, one more, one more, one more, one more, one more. And it causes this big internal combustion inside our brain, our heart, our soul called stress. And it eats us from the inside out. And unlike Pac-Man where you get three lives, you only get one here. And you can't hit reset. There's no do-over. So God wants us to have a message today on the release to hustle. And it's hard because in our high-tech hypersonic, postmodern society, we're known for our busyness. We're known for our just constant doing and going. And with this increased ability and expectation of things in our life to deliver instantly, we expect it. And it creates this constant push for us to do more and more. And honestly, we find ourselves as a society and even probably as individuals, more busy than we thought we had ever been. We're busier than our ancestors ever thought that our generations would be. I mean, think about that. We've come a long way from the horse and buggy days, you know what I'm saying? We've come a long ways from, you know, the, the, the old school telephones where, where you had to be at home to call somebody. Y'all remember that? Where you had to be attached to a wall to call somebody. Come on. Now it's in your pocket. It's wherever you go. People can contact you, hit you up, put more expectations on you, more demands, more responses necessary, text messages, emails. Who created all this stuff? And it seems so great, but it adds to our stress. It adds to our demands, our hurried world, our expectations. So much so that we don't even feel like we have enough time in a 24-hour day anymore to get all that's done accomplished. And everything that's supposed to make us be able to achieve more does that, but then puts more expectations on us with all our technology and demands. So in the middle of this high pace, extreme expectations, non, no time to stop lifestyle, it's easy for us to lose touch with what's most important. It's easy for us to lose touch with what really should be our priority. We become like robots moving from one task to the next, just accomplishing and doing. And as such, we're overworked, we're overstressed, and we're spiritually unnourished. And that's the point. Guys, that's the trap Satan wants to get us in. He wants to get you and I so busy. So caught up with the hustle and bustle. And yes, we got responsibilities and things to do. But he wants to just maximize it and get us to add more and more and more on our plate and do more and do more and sign the kids up for this and do this. And we're rushing here and rushing here, rushing here, rushing here. We have no time to be spiritually nourished. We have no time to just settle and be with God and value him and his word and other people around us. We get so caught up in the rush. And our culture promotes bigger and better and that subtly changes us just to want to try to keep up and do more. 
And that's exactly where Satan wants to keep us. He's distracted, running in circles, trying to beat the clock. Get, the, we get one more ghost. And we miss the real focus and the, and the eternal perspective that God wants us to have, even in the midst of our responsibilities. And we can do this even with good things. <laughs> Did you know that? Satan, he's okay if, if you stay so busy with good stuff that you never have time to focus on Jesus and your personal walk and your personal growth and your relationship to others around you. That's the mission, isn't it? The mission's people. So if we can get so caught up in the hustle and bustle and focus on ourselves and focus on our schedule and focus on our time, I ain't got time to speak. I ain't got time to talk to people around me. And I just go, 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 go. What did I do? I missed the mission. That's what Satan wants. And I can do that with good stuff. I can do that with pastor and in ministry. Got a little uh, joke of a picture here to put up. And uh, I don't know if it'll show up, but it's going to say, who said pastor in a church is stressful? I'm 42 and I feel fine. That's what I'm talking about. I feel it too, boy. Full-time PT was easy. This stuff hard. You know what I'm saying? This is seven days a week. But guys, stress can get to us. And it can do harmful things to our body. Some of the physical things that stress can do, especially long-term stress and unrelieved stress, cause headaches, high blood pressure, strokes, heart problems, including heart arrhythmias, coronary artery disease, heart attacks, can cause diabetes, skin conditions, asthma. Yes, asthma. Can cause depression. Can cause arthritis. Can cause mental health disorders that can progress to depression and anxiety disorders, OCDs. Can cause premature aging, obesity, can cause our bodies to literally want to just shut down and do nothing. Guys, that's what this monster will do. And if we get caught up in it and we think we can handle it, because a lot of us are type A's, right? We want to do and we're created to that and that's how we're wired. But if we're not ready to unplug and get the rest we need, but then more importantly, keep our focus right on what needs to be focused spiritually, guys, we're going to mess up. And we're going to mess up bad and we're going to hit a wall going really fast. So, as Christians, we can't allow ourselves to be swept away in this undercurrent of this cultural stopwatch of do and go and hurry because it's going to consume us. And God wants to keep us from this stressful way of living and all the harm that it'll bring us, but then most importantly, the spiritual malnourishment that it brings when we get caught up in stress and hurry. Let me pray for us real quick before we dive in. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, we praise you, Father, for who you are. You are God. You are holy. You are mighty. You are just. You are full of grace and mercy and love. And Father, you long for us to know you more deeply and to walk with you more closely and to not get caught up so much in all the things around us. The things of this earth, the things of this world that will pass away, but, but Lord, you never pass away. Lord, you're eternal. Lord, your word is eternal. And Lord, the souls around us of people are eternal. So Lord, help us keep an eternal perspective on what really matters in life. So Lord, as we dive into your word with a very specific example of this today, Lord, I pray Father, that you would move in our hearts and lives in such a way that this isn't just a cool lesson we learned today. This isn't just a cool feeling we had on Sunday morning. Father, this is a, a word that we do and apply to our life as hard as it is. That, Lord, we can refocus on what's really important and separate ourselves from the hustle and bustle and the stress that can harm us physically and spiritually. So, Lord, I pray that you would come and do a work in all our lives, our families, and in our church, and in our community like only you can do. And you get all the glory for this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So if you have a copy of God's Word, we're gonna, our teaching passage is going to be in Luke chapter 10. And you can probably guess where the Lord's leading us with this. So we'll be there in just a moment. But I think we've opened this up fairly well. 
to kind of let you know where we're at in the magnitude of what we're talking about today. We're going to get a spiritual example. And how many of you know this? Sometimes God will give us a message through his word that's just so for us that if we would not just hear it, but if we would do it and apply it, it would change the trajectory of our life and those around us. How many of you know that? God's word does that. And that's what today's message is. I believe some people are going to have life change today if we apply God's word to this situation. You know, the Bible places a high value on rest and peaceful living. We know that. One of the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, peace. Peace is the opposite of hurry and stress, is it not? If I'm stressed and in a hurry, I'm not at peace. And guys, so we see an already a contradictory to this type of lifestyle that's continuous from what the Spirit of the Lord wants to give us. Even Jesus himself escaped the busyness of crowds occasionally to renew his strength just to get away, even from doing some really good things. I'm just going to read Mark 6, 31 real quick before we get into our teaching passage. And Jesus says this. In this word in Mark chapter 6, verse 31, says, then, be, then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat. I'm going to say that again. Because so many people were coming and going that they, he and the disciples, they're doing their teaching, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to his disciples in that moment, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Did you catch that? Hold up, hold up, Jesus. Hold up, we're in a bunch of, a bunch of people that need to hear the gospel. Man, we got so many people around us. We need, to, we need to maximize this opportunity. We need to keep going. I don't care that I didn't eat. I, I won't eat lunch. I won't eat dinner. Let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. But what did Jesus say? Hey, we're not taking care of ourselves, and we need to get back and refocus. Yes, there's some great things we could still be doing. We're going to get back to that. But we need to come and take a break and step away for just a minute. Did you get that? So it is difficult, but it's not impossible, all right, for us to release ourselves from these stressful moments and get this rest. Because if we don't, we're not going to hear God's still voice that he wants to speak to us through his word. And we're not going to get nourished like we need physically and spiritually. So let's read our passage. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read a story that you're probably familiar with if you've been around church any length of time. And that is the story of Martha and Mary. All right. Luke chapter 10. And this is a direct example where Jesus is involved. And he has something to say to a couple people here that's really going to move and be applicable to our message today. Ready? Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. The word of God says this. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her oh boy all right y'all ready here we go we've got martha and mary okay here martha and mary are sisters the bible tells us that and if you know a little bit more from the uh, other occasions that they're brought up in god's word mary and martha are not only sister but they have a brother named lazarus y'all remember that story that miracle that jesus performed right what did he do with lazarus Rose him from the dead, all right? So yes, this is that family. And if you read in scripture, this is a, a family that Jesus was very close to, that, that they, he loved this family, okay? So 
They're very close to Jesus. They lived in this town of Bethany, about two miles outside of Jerusalem. Okay, So get this. Jesus and the disciples are teaching, probably out around Jerusalem somewhere. out, And so they know Jesus is coming over. Get this picture, all right? So Martha is a server. She's a doer. So she, if she knows Jesus is coming over, what is she going to do? She's going to do, right? She's going to hurry. She's going to go. She's going to do. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, if I knew Jesus was coming over, I'd want to get my house kind of straight. I mean, I'm a little embarrassed. Sometimes my grass gets a little tall. I ain't got time to cut it and all that. I'm going I'm to, you know, get things right. And, and we're going to prepare the house and we're going to clean it up. And, and, and we're going to prepare a nice meal and it's going to be perfect and nice. And so that's what Martha was doing. She was doing a great thing that we all would do, hopefully. Right? Because we care about Jesus. We want to be with Jesus and we want him to be kind of impressed about how, how all the things look around us. All right, so you get that picture? So she's already a friend, so it's not like Jesus was just coming through and she said, oh, hey, Jesus, come on in the house and didn't know him. She knew Jesus. She probably knew he was coming over way ahead of time, and she's preparing and getting ready for him, okay? So you can imagine it's easier for, that Martha wanted to do everything perfect for Jesus to come and visit. But she wasn't getting the help she wanted at one point from her sister Mary, All right, and let's get this. It's not that Mary was just not doing anything or was lazy. But at the time when Jesus did arrive, where do we see from this picture where Mary went to as soon as Jesus got there? Went to Jesus. See, we're not given the account of what was going on before Jesus arrived while he was walking his two miles from Jerusalem. That's like a 30, 40-minute walk. Plus, like I said, they already knew he was coming over. They had probably been doing preparations hours beforehand. So she was likely helping her sister work and doing things before he got there. But when Jesus got there, nothing else mattered. You see that? But Martha was still busy about the chores, even though Jesus was there, and she didn't take the time to step aside and be with Jesus. You see that now? So she's going to get a little irritated when she comes out. Because Mary's with Jesus and not helping her finish the preparations that maybe they were a little late and rushed in doing. So she was stressed, obviously, and getting irritable. Anybody in here get irritable when you get stressed? It's just me, I know. All right. Man, we do, don't we? We get irritable. We want to bite somebody's head off. Especially the people we love. We're going to smile at people we don't know. Oh, hi, how are you? And then we get home and... So here's Martha getting upset at Mary. She wasn't getting the help she wanted. So it wasn't that Mary was lazy and not doing nothing. Jesus isn't promoting not having responsibility and not doing anything. That's not what Jesus is promoting. So don't take this message and be like, hey, boss, I quit because Pastor Brad said I need to have focus more on Jesus and not be so busy. (laughs) No. No, we still have responsibility. The Lord wants us to work and do, but he wants us to keep our focus, the main focus. All right? So here we are in this situation. So Mary sat at Jesus' feet. That's important. This was a posture of the Jewish scholars when when they were listening to the rabbis and they were were soaking up the teaching in the word of God. And we're going to talk about this posture here in a little bit because it means something. So Martha was distracted with much serving, the Bible says. She didn't do anything wrong working hard for Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. But what was wrong was the heart that remained unfocused on the main thing in front of her. Okay? So her problem was she she was distracted with much serving. She was distracted. Why? Not just because of the serving, but she was distracted from Jesus. She missed the opportunity to go out and be with Christ. There's many people who become crabby and irritable in service of the Lord doing a lot of good things, doing a lot lot of them well. But we can get so irritable, just like Martha was, and get upset. It's easy to look around and look at all we do. You ever done this too? Where you're just busy and you're you're, you're doing everything. And maybe let's simplify it for a second. Let's take it off the the serving and ministry side of side. Let's just say at the house. And you just feel like you're, you're doing everything. And you ever got to the point where you're just irritable because you're so stressed and you're so busy? And you ever, this ever fly over your mouth where you're doing so much, you're doing so much, and you're working so hard, and you're feeling overwhelmed and overstressed and overpressured, and you say this, I'm the only one that ever does anything around here. (laughs) 
And we got a lot of married people looking at each other right now, I'm sure. <laughs> and it's not that the other person doesn't do anything, because they do. The honest part is you're feeling so overwhelmed and overpressured with what's on your plate that you just... Bleh. And sometimes it's easy for us to look around and and maybe sometimes it is. Maybe some people aren't pulling their weight. And in those moments where we are serving, and let's take it back to ministry, where it's easy for us to look around and be like, well, man, these people aren't doing nothing, and I'm doing everything, and we're doing everything. And there's some truth to that. There's statistics show that 20% of the people do 80% of the work in ministry. <laughs> that's a lot. That, that leads to burnout. It does. And that's why God has called us all to be the hands and feet and to be the body. And, and God's gifted you in certain abilities where you can sing and play an instrument or you can run tech board or you can serve in kids ministry or you can get plugged into the body of Christ and serve and take the pressure off. Yeah, there's some truth to that. There is. But if we're not careful when we just do and do and do, we can start looking around and getting irritable at people. And we can miss the mission, all right? So Martha's problem, she thought was Mary. But Martha's problem really wasn't Mary. It was Martha. And Jesus reminded her of that. That your problem isn't Mary, your problem's Martha. Because you've become distracted and you've taken your eyes off of Jesus. What in our life today has got us so distracted and so worked up and so overwhelmed and so busy that we've taken our eyes off of Jesus. If you're just honest and say, my, the eyes of my heart and my soul are not focused on the Lord day in and day out. As a matter of fact, we even twice a month rush to just get church in. Did you know that's the average regular church attendance is just twice a month? We don't even have time for that no more. We'd rather be anywhere else, doing everything else. And if the pastor preaches too long, brr, I ain't going to that church no more. We don't want to spend time with him and his word if we're really honest. Guys, we need to get off the rush. Get off the hurry. And value the time to sit down with Jesus. That's the difference of the heart posture. It's not a task to check off your list. It's an anticipated, looked forward to Time of recovery, rest, and spiritual nourishment. And that's what we all need, if we're honest. Martha's frustration is pretty typical of those who diligently serve with good intent, but forget to sit at the feet of Jesus and forget to keep the main thing the main thing. So Jesus is going to remind her of that. Verse 41, what did Jesus say? And Jesus answered and said, no, he said, said to her, Martha, Martha. Do you see the personal response there? Said her name not once, but twice. Didn't have to say her name at all. He's right there in front of her. She knows he's talking to her. But says her name. Do you see the personal response that Jesus wants for all of us? Put your name in there right now. What is Jesus, through his words, speaking to you already? And he's saying your name. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to be personal with you. He loves you. And do you hear this love, this grace, this mercy in Jesus' voice? It's not a scolding. Even though Martha's come to him with a wrong heart. And his response is to flip it around with his grace and mercy and to refocus her eyes where they need to be. And he says this. You're worried about a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. Do you think Jesus, I mean, and like I said, her, her intentions were great. Fix the house, cook a nice meal. That's all great. But do you think Jesus really cared if the house was clean? Do you think Jesus really cared what the meal was or if it was just a turkey sandwich or, a, you know, a baked turkey? Do you think he cared if the rolls were burned or not? Oh, man, he didn't care. Why? What did he want? He wanted to be with people. He valued the time together, the personal relationship, the time of rest, the time of of, of leaning on each other, the, the time of, of, of in the word and learning, that, that's it. And it wasn't about the hustle and bustle. And that's what he quickly said. Man, you're worried about a bunch of stuff. None of that really matters. Only one thing's needed. Mary has chosen that. And that's why I'm not going to go get her right now up from my feet and make her go work with you. 
because that's not going to be taken from her. Her focus is in the right place. And I know that had to fall hard on Mary's heart. And she probably, we don't get the response, she's probably, Lord, you're right. I'm sorry. Because she really loved Jesus and she values, not that she wasn't saved, like that she didn't value it. She got distracted. You see, there's a, a lot of great godly people in here, including myself. We really love the Lord. We want to serve the Lord. We want to do right. But we've been so distracted. Lord, forgive us. We've gotten so busy. We've gotten so consumed with schedule and go and do. What's the one thing? The Bible points out the one thing a lot in various scriptures. We know the one thing is keeping eyes on Jesus, spending time with the Lord. We see Mary's posture. How about Psalm 27, verse 4? The one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire his temple. Did you get that? The psalmist, one thing I desire. What's the one thing? To focus on the Lord. I want to dwell in his house all the days of my life. Lord, forgive us for not wanting to be in his house on Sunday. And you want to spend the rest of eternity in his house? And you don't want to come for just a couple hours a week? Every week? Is it not important? If church isn't a priority, don't be surprised when your kids don't think it is either. And they walk away from the faith. It's not your ability or your choice to make their decisions for them. But you and I give the green light or the red light to activities. Good things or bad as parents. Luke 18, 22. When Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. What was that? Come follow me. It's the focus on the Lord. That's the one thing. Philippians 3, 13 through 14. Brethren, I do not count myself. This is Paul. Brethren, I do not count myself to have, to have apprehended it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What's the focus? The mission. The focus on the Lord, what God has. People. Things that are eternal. So, the one thing, very evident in which Mary chose. It's the good part. It's not going to be taken away. And it needs to be present in all of us. And it's very clear. We need to take the time in the hustle and bustle, hypersonic life we live in, in society, and take time to sit at the feet of Jesus. Yeah, physically, slow down. Yeah, we saw that example with Jesus. But more of a heart posture. And keep him the most important focus of our life. Because sitting at the feet of Jesus is a, is a position of humility. It's a position of rest. It's a, permission, it's a position of submission. It's a position of priority. I'm settled right here for a moment. You get that? Just the position speaks volumes. But then sitting at the feet of Jesus implies a readiness to accept and obey what Jesus teaches. I'm focused, Lord. I'm all eyes and ears. I want to learn. I want to know. Sitting at the feet of Jesus implies submission to Jesus. Rebellion is done with. I'm done doing life my own way. I'm done living for the things of this world. I don't want to conform any longer to the pattern of this world. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Lord Jesus, you got it. Fill my mind. Sitting at the feet of Jesus implies direct faith in who Jesus is. A trust. A security. Sitting at the feet of Jesus implies a hunger for discipleship. Oh, that's it. Do you long to be discipled? Really? I mean, I mean, seriously, did you ever, is that ever a thought in your mind? I want to grow in Christ and in my walk. Sitting at the feet of Jesus implies a love for him and his word over the things of this world. There's the kicker. A direct love and focus and care for him and his word over the things of this world. And if we're honest, most of the time we resemble Martha, Moda, and Mary, don't we? I know I do. How about you? If you were honest. You get caught up with the do's and the don'ts and the things that need to be done. And I miss the glimpse of Jesus all around me. As difficult as it is and as contrary to our culture as it may be, we must intentionally take the time and the effort to do that, to sit at his feet, to focus on him. So Mary's good part, pretty simple, 
but it was a heart of devotion. It was a heart of focus. It was a heart of priority. What's really important in life? That's what Jesus was trying to point back to. Hey, all, the, all these things in this world that you're trying to do and get done, that's great, but they're all going to pass away anyway. Focus on me. Focus on my word. Focus on people. All right? Because that's the key. So one might say with this account that we have here is there's three types of people, really, when you come down to this situation. There's the Marys. Those who know how to serve, don't get it wrong, she wasn't just lazy, not doing nothing. She was probably serving before, but when the time was right, she sat down and focused on Jesus. There's the people who know how to serve and sit with Jesus. There are. There's Marys. But then there's a lot of Marthas, people who diligently, with the best intention, serve God, but they forget the one thing, a continued focus on Jesus and the results that we gain spiritually by it. And the results that we miss out on of the frustration of the physical pain, if we're just constantly doing and stressing and hurrying and all that pain that we just described earlier at the beginning. So there's Mary's, there's Martha's, but then there's somebody else. There's people who don't do either. They're not focused on serving and they're not focused on spending time with Jesus either. Where are you? Which one are you? Where do you want to be? Because God wants to call your name personally today and refocus you and pick you up and put you in the right place and path to bring healing to your soul and your heart and your life and to others around you. All right? So let's read an example. See if this sounds familiar to you and me in our busy lifestyle that we're up in. You're up late the night before, really late, getting stuff done. Tying up loose ends, doing things around the house, doing things on your phone, doing things on your computer before you go to bed. So you're up so late, you wake up a little late the next morning, hit the snooze alarm a couple times too many. So you're a little late getting up, getting ready, rushing. Then you got to get the kids up. And as you get the kids up, they're fussing and complaining. And you get them ready in the school, and the kids fuss and complain again. You rush to work. After getting into school, and there's a bunch of slow drivers out in front of you, every stoplight seems to be turning red, and the stress starts to build already, and it's not even 8 o'clock. You work all day, you deal with your boss and high demands and deadlines and productivity and coworkers. <laughs> you rush to the meeting, you get there one minute early because you don't want to be late, because you spent Every single moment you could, right up to the time, getting five, six things done that you had to get done before you rushed to the meeting. And then in the meeting, you get more tasks placed upon you. So you're multitasking all day long, rushing, rushing, getting things done. And then at the time to leave, you rush out the door to head home, and you got to rush, and you got to grab some groceries at the grocery store. And that causes stress because you're rushing. And then the price of groceries causes more stress. And then you got to get some gas, and, and there's a line at the gas pump, and, and then the gas prices causes even more stress. And then you're going, rushing home the rest of the way because you got to go get your kids, and you got to make sure they get their homework done, and the kids fuss and complain again, and your stress gets higher. And then you rush them off to practice, or you rush them off to do the things they have to do, and then you rush back home, and then you get the kids ready for bed, and the kids fuss and complain some more. <laughs> And then, once it's finally quiet, you still don't have time to relax because now it's time to answer all the messages, the text messages, the phone messages, the emails, the messenger messages. And you're getting things done, and then you're trying to get a few things done around the house that you need to get done, and you got to do all this, and you got to rush. And then you sit down, and you're so worn out, you're so irritable that you don't even have time to focus on anybody around you. And you go to bed late again. And you wake up and start it all over the next day. Sound familiar? Hurry, hurry, hurry. Go, go, go. Do, do, do. Where's the time to sit and focus? Guys, when we get caught up in that, we're in danger of a lot of stress, pain, and problems that it causes physically. Yeah, relationally and then spiritually, because we'll be malnourished. 
Guys, we live in a society with a bunch of malnourished Christians. Did you know that? That's why our churches are so weak. That's why we don't want to hear the truth of the word of God preached anymore because it just sounds so, so counter self to me to want to have to, to sit down and listen and, and, and to correct and guide. And, and I, I just, I just want to hear a message that makes me feel good and leave and go about my day. I've got enough problems. Satan's in the middle of that. He doesn't want people to hear sound doctrine. He wants them to have their ears tickled and run to the teachers and just fluff it up and, and give them some good stuff and never convict them with the word of God, which is healthy, by the way. Condemnation, no. You should never feel condemned by God's word. If you do, that's from the enemy. That's the voice of Satan in your ear saying, you're washed up, you're messed up, you'll never be any good, God can't use you, you're a failure. That is not from the Lord, Okay. What is from the Lord is if, you're, if the word falls fresh and convicts you, it's like a loving heavenly father wrapping his arms around you and saying, hey, I love you, and I don't want you to run off the cliff. Let's go this way, right? Don't ride your bike in the street because you're going to get hit. Let's get the bike out of the street. And let's get it on the sidewalk. That's what God wants to do, just like we want to do for our kids. He wants to keep you safe. He loves you. He gave you the bike of life to have fun. But if we're not careful, that bike of life, we can get in a lot of things that cause us a lot of problems and trouble and pain and steal our life. So God wants us to keep it in that safe place. And that's where God wants us. It's a loving, healthy conviction. Don't run from the word of God when it's preached like it should be preached. I always tell it impact. I haven't said it in a while. I said it a lot back in the field, in the tent. When you come to impact church, when you come to church, wear your spiritual flip-flops. Do not wear your spiritual steel-toed boots where you don't want to get your toes stepped on. You should come to church every week wanting to grow, wanting the Lord to speak to you, wanting the Lord to move to you. And, and yes, Lord, take anything in me, out of me, that's of me and it's of this world and make me more like Jesus. That means I've got my spiritual flip-flops on. I'm like, come on, step on them. Lord, prepare my heart. Help me, give me the strength to do what I can't do for myself. And that's be led by your word, through your spirit. It's his work. It's not legalism. Guys, this is not a works-based faith. If you're not works-based to get saved, then you're not works-based after you're saved. Amen. It's not. Man, if, if you, you come to Christ with the right heart and submission, and Jesus has done all the finished work on the cross, it's through his grace, by faith, that you're saved. That's it. But did you know that same grace that justifies you is also the same grace he wants to use to sanctify you? Where it's not of your work. It's not about trying harder and doing more. It's about completely submitting and surrendering. Galatians 5 to the Spirit. And, and therefore, we don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Man, it's all about Jesus. Amen. Every single bit of it. That, that takes the legalism part of it. We're, we're a walk of it. Because so many times you say the word obedience today. And people are like, oh, legalism. <laughs> no. Obedience is not legalism. <laughs> It's not. It's part of the great commission that Jesus even said. If, if obedience is legalism, Jesus is a legalist. And I bet he's not. But what did he say? Go and make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. It's a work in the product of the Spirit in our life, guys. It's what it is. It's what Ezekiel 36 said. I'm going to take that heart of stone out of you. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to put my spirit in you and give you a desire to follow my laws. That's salvation. There's a new desire in you. It's an intrinsic to walk by the spirit. Man, where did I get off on that rabbit, rabbit trail at? I don't know, but that one in my notes. That's for somebody. All right, here we go. So the goals right here of to reduce stress, we can see real quickly in Martha and Mary, specifically when we're looking at Martha, because we know she was the one that was stressed. So to reduce stress, to relieve this pressure of life, the number one thing that you can do, the number one thing we have to be vigilant, we have to be relentless to do in our life, is remove hurry from our life. You and I cannot be stress-free if we're always hurrying doesn't mean there's not going to be brief moments where we need to. But if you live a constant day in, day out life like that, good luck. Elizabeth, the big one is coming. <laughs> right? I just really dated myself there with Sanford and Son, didn't I? All right? A lot of you old people are like, what did he just do? Just Google it later. 
Man, if we're in a hurry, our heart pounds, our muscles tense up. Our mind races and never rests. And we're always in a hurry. And, we're, and even when we do get free time, our mind's just constantly thinking about what we've got to do next. I am guilty right there. I'm guilty. I just spent my whole vacation and my mind never rested. Constantly thinking about the do's, the don'ts, the things to, to, to get done, the things I got to do. We need to slow down. We need to avoid hurry because it will eat us up from the inside. So in other words, if you're taking notes underneath that, you can say speed kills. You ever heard that slogan with driving, right? And maybe you remember Barney Fife. I'm going to date myself again. Dude, I'm old, right now. I'm talking like Barney Fife and San Francisco. Man, but you remember in, in, in Barney Fife and in, in, uh, in, in all them, and what he would say when the speeding. So you give them 30, they'll take 35. You give them 35, they'll take 40. You give them 40, you know. Guys, that's how we live. We live to go faster. Just go, 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 go. Guys, speed kills. And we need to take a time to let off the gas and slow down. Because hurry is incompatible with peace. We said that at the beginning. It is. Hurry is incompatible with loving others. You see, if I'm in a hurry, I'm going to rush right by people that God wants me to get involved with and to speak to and to pour into or to shine the light of Christ to. Right? But if I'm in a hurry, I ain't got time for that. Lord, forgive us. And I'm going to go right by the mission that God puts in front of me because I'm trying to serve my own mission. Yes, things that are really important, but I've taken my focus off where it needs to be. Hurry is incompatible with spending time in the word and hearing God's voice. They don't go together. Hurry, then, you can extrapolate, is resistance to godliness. That's where, that's where that's, again, that's the trap. Satan wants us to get us caught up in there. Where it's, it's a resistance to us doing what God's called us to do and being who God's called us to be. Eliminate hurry. Number two, create margin in your schedule for rest. Create margin in your schedule for rest. So obviously, Martha was in a hurry because Jesus was there and things weren't done yet. Did you get that? Come on, make Mary get up, Jesus. I got things to get done in here. I'm in a hurry. Don't know why, but she was in a hurry. So she didn't create enough margin in her life. She probably, again, they were friends. She probably knew Jesus was coming. She probably maybe got up late, got a late start. Who knows? I don't know. But she didn't create enough margin to get the things done she wanted to do. So then when Jesus got there, she could spend time with him. Guys, again, there's nothing wrong with doing and having responsibility and getting things done. But if we do it and missed Jesus, then we're wrong. Right? And that's what we see right here. So we need to create margin in our life. We need to have a, a moderate, realistic expectation of what we're going to get done in a day and in a week. Because so many times we want to cram so much on us that it just, it just weighs us down. And when we don't get it done, we, the, I didn't get done what I want to get done, so how do I feel? More stressed, more irritable. Because then now i got to do it tomorrow. Now I got you see that? So we got to realistically set ourselves some margin. So we don't create extra pressure and stress. So this topic, this point basically says, are you managing your time or is your time managing you? Are you managing your time or is your time managing you? And it's dictating to you what you do and how stressed you are and how much time you have for your family or others. Nobody's putting an invisible gun to our head to do any of it. We're doing it ourselves. We do it ourselves. Yeah, we got responsibilities and expectations. Again, God's not saying we don't need those, but we need to take the time to create the margin and keep the focus right. Number three, learn here from Martha. We got to learn to say no. And I don't mean say no to Jesus. No, you ain't coming over. <laughs> that's not it. Sometimes we got to say no to others that invite us to do stuff that's really good things that can make us so busy we keep our focus off what's important. Sometimes we got to say no to ourselves. Think about it. Nobody made Martha do all this stuff. 
She wanted to do it all to get it right for Jesus. She should have said no to herself. Yeah, there's still stuff to do. I ain't got this ready. You know, the turkey ain't done. We may have to have cold cut sandwiches today. I don't know, but is what it is. Jesus is here. I'm done. I'm focused now. Got that? Sometimes you got to say no. Yes, to some, maybe some good stuff that's still on your plate. And you've got to take that time to rest and get away like Jesus pointed to in Matthew 6. And if you have to say no to somebody else, you can say it nicely, respectfully, and directly. Right? But just, man, that's a really great purpose. That's a really great cause. I'd really love to do that, man. That's, that's my heart. I love that ministry. I would love to be a part of that. But I, I just can't right now. Because if I do, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to just come undone right now. I've got enough good things that God's led me to right now, right? But man, I got a, I got a bad habit of not saying no. Because I want to do it all. I want to get it all done. I want to, and I've even been guilty of saying this before. I, I'll rest in heaven one day. I'm going to rest in heaven sooner if I don't slow down. Amen. How about you? Yes, rest, diet, exercise. We can go through a lot of physical things we can do that are necessary. Is our body the temple of God or not? Yes, it is. We should do things that keep our body healthy, all right? But the spiritual message here that we're getting is keep the focus on. So we got to know when to say no. I have an acronym for you for saying no. You ready? H-A-L-T, the word halt. Say no when you're hungry, angry, loaded, and tired. How many of you get irritable when you're hungry? You know what I'm You're hangry. Oh, boy, don't be around me then, right? So you're really starved. You haven't eaten. Like, remember what Jesus said? Hey, man, we haven't even taken time to eat. We got to step back and get away for a minute, right? Jesus did that. Angry. Man, when you're angry, already irritable, you don't want to take on more tasks because you're going to blow up on somebody, and you're going to just cause more stress when you stuff it down and don't blow up. If you're loaded, your schedule's already too loaded, too much to do, yeah, obviously say no. I got too much on my plate. I can't fit that in today, this week, whatever the case may be. Or if I'm already tired and worn out and I need that time to step away and rest. Great times to say no, all right? But oftentimes I feel like we got to do everything. I got to do it, do it, do it. Got to do it all the time. And the more I do, the more God's going to be pleased with me. Not necessarily. Did you see what Martha did? He wasn't pleased. She was doing more, doing it for a great person, doing it for a great reason. But Jesus wasn't happy because her focus was off. And she hadn't taken time to keep the main thing. So more is not always better. Number four, don't procrastinate. Again, maybe Martha procrastinated. We don't know. Maybe she's like, ah, I got time to do that. And it took a little longer to get stuff done. And if she'd have started earlier, she wouldn't have been rushed. And she'd have had time for Jesus. You ever been there? Man, I'm the king of procrastinating sometimes. I've always said there's, there's uh, nothing more productive than the last minute. You know what I'm saying? Um, that doesn't work with stress, though, when we're trying to relieve it. Number five, the main thing to close us up is keep the main thing the main thing. Don't be a Martha. Don't take life's remedial tasks so seriously and like they're the most important thing. When God wants us to focus on him, God wants us to have an eternal perspective. What's eternal, guys? What three, what, what are, what's eternal? What three things? I can think of three things that are eternal. If you can think of more, you can let me know, but I only think of three. God, all right, Trinity, that's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, eternal, okay? What else is eternal? His word. Same yesterday, today, and forever. It's eternal. Jesus is the word. It's all his word. So God's eternal. His word's eternal. What else is eternal? This is the one we miss people. We don't think about it that way. Souls are eternal. So what's the mission? Focus on God. Focus on his word. Focus on others. It's eternal perspective. That's the mission. And when we get in a hurry and when we get rushed and we would get da 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 go, 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 do, 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 schedule, 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 work, 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 play, play, play. And we never set down the focus. We miss the mission, the eternal mission. And then if we don't have an eternal perspective, we're going to get our priorities all out of whack. Where everything else becomes more important than what's eternal. That's what happens. That's where Satan wants you. Do you see that trap? He wants to flip that on you. So we must be intentional about making time to rest in Jesus. That means sometimes you got to let the phone ring. 
Take a couple days to answer the email, whatever you got to do. Step away. Step away. Maybe social media needs a break for a little bit. You just need to take a moment and refocus. Get an eternal perspective. Realign your priorities. God is faithful to do that through his word. He just did that with Martha. And he wants to do that with you and me right now. He's calling our name. Yeah, twice right now. And he's saying, you're worried about a bunch of stuff right here. Only one thing's necessary. I wonder if anybody needed to hear that message besides me. So let us make every effort to sit at the feet of Jesus, enjoy him, rather than miss him like Martha was doing. And missing the others around us that God wants us to minister to. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. It's that whole message of Psalm 23 as well, verse 1 through 3, you'll know that. For the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Did you get that? He's my shepherd, so I shall not want. I don't need to want and hustle and bustle and just keep rushing and getting the rat race for anything because I'm going to be settled in what God's provided for me. I'm not going to get caught up in the American dream. Yeah, it's fine to have goals. That's great. God wants us to. But not to the point where we just shift our focus and our dues and we get stressed to accomplish. When we need to be settled in what God's provided. We don't want for anything. He provides. He's the shepherd. Then it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Why is that important? Well, it's rest. But what's the significance there? If you know from a shepherd, there's four reasons that a sheep won't lie down. One is if they're in fear, if they're worried about something, if they feel like there's, there's something around. They won't, they're just anxious. They're all uptight, and they're, always there and they're just doing it, and they won't rest. They won't lay down. Other is friction. If there's some problems amongst the sheep, they won't lie down. Does that sound familiar? They get stressed and anxious and they won't rest. Another is flies with pests and stuff. If it's all around their head and everything, then, then, then they, they won't let rest and lie down. And that's why later it says, you anoint my head with oil. The shepherd puts oil on their head to heal the sores and the wounds and to keep the pests away. That's what God wants to do for us. What's irritating you? What's eating at you right now? God wants to anoint your head with oil and let you rest and lie down in the green pasture of his grace. What's the fourth reason? Famine. If the sheep feels like there's not enough food and, and, and there's competition around, then they're, just gonna, they're never going to rest and they're going to keep going. Does that sound familiar? Are we just competing and running and feeling like we got to do, we got to provide, we got to provide? And we can use a great excuse, got to provide, got to provide, got to provide. Inflation is expensive, and, and, and there's boneheads in the White House, and, and, they're, and they're killing us, and, and, and everything's expensive. And, and, and yeah, I know. And we can just rush and 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 kill ourselves. When God wants us to lie down in a green pasture and rest in him, that's what he wants us to do. And then it says, he leads us beside still waters. Why is that important? Did you know a sheep won't go to a rushing water to drink? It can be thirsty and about to die. It will die before it sticks its nose in rushing water. Because of anxiety, stress, it makes it nervous and fearful. When God wants to bring us to the still waters where we can be refreshed, that's what God wants to do. He's living water. Have you tried him? You try him, you won't thirst anymore. Because he restores your soul. Close with this quote from C.T. Studd. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Where's your focus today? Yeah, we're busy. Got a lot to do. A lot of responsibility. But can we just take that moment to keep the main thing the main thing and keep our focus on the three eternal things and the mission that God's placed in front of us? Yes, in the middle of why we do. So what we need to do we need to go sit at the feet of Jesus with Mary. And yeah, then we can go work with Martha. Let me pray for us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I wonder if today you would just be honest right now. And you would just say, Pastor Brad, man, I needed that message. Would you just raise your hand? I'm raising my hand first because I needed that. 
Amen. And we're going to be, can we just pray for each other this week? That God would help us to find this time to rest and focus, to grow. To have revival in our lives. That would start a revival in our homes. That would start a revival in our church. That would start a revival in our community. And it starts with us. How many of you are here today, and you might say, Brad, man, honestly, I've never surrendered, committed my life to the Lord. I've walked in and out of church. I've even, I believe he's God, but I've never really truly just surrendered my life and said, Lord, I'm turning over my life to you, my heart to you. I'm entrusting. I'm committing my life to you, and I want to do that right now. If that's you, I'm going to walk you through a prayer. I want you to pray from your heart to God's heart and do business with Jesus right now before you walk out this place. Or if you're here and you might say, Brad, uh, there's a time in my life where I committed my life to Jesus. I surrendered to him. And man, I was on fire. And I was just doing great things with the Lord. And the Lord was moving in me. But man, then life happened. And I got knocked off track. I got knocked off balance. And I lost my way. And I want to come running back today like the prodigal son. Just come running back to the house of the Father. And get out of this pig slop and den that the world has put me in. I want to get my focus back on Jesus right now. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to do business with Jesus yourself and rededicate your life to the Lord right now. And just fall fresh at his feet and surrender. And let him do the work of the Spirit in your life. So if that's you, you want to commit your life for the first time, or you want to rededicate your life right now, just do business with God and just say, Dear Lord, I admit to you that I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of you, my Savior. And Lord... I want to do more than confess right now. I want to repent. My heart is I want to turn around. And Lord, I need you to do the work of that in my life because I can't do it on my own. And Lord, I thank you for sacrificing Jesus on that cross and his body was broken and his blood was shed that I could be restored, redeemed, renewed. That I could be set free. No longer under the penalty of sin, no longer under the bondage of sin, Lord, that I can be free to live for you now. Lord, thank you for raising him from the grave, proving that he is God, and he stands in victory over all hell, death, and the grave, and Lord, I want that victory right now in my life, Lord, I need it. And as such, Lord, from this day forward, I'm ready to live for you. Lord, do a work in me that I can't do for myself. Because my commitment from this day forward is every step I take, every breath I make will be for your glory alone. Lord, do that work in me. Thank you for saving me. Amen. If you did business with Jesus right there, for the first time, or you rededicated your life, no one looking around, would you just boldly, unashamed, raise your hand? Said, Brad, I need you to pray for me. I just made a decision for Jesus today. Amen. If I don't see your hands, God does. We're going to close our service like we do every week. Here at Impact, and I'm going to ask you if whatever the Lord's just done in the work in your heart to put action with your feet, whatever that is, maybe it's a message, some part of the message today, and you need to ask for prayer in some way. Maybe you just made a decision for Jesus. Maybe you need prayer over a loved one that's lost. Maybe you need to pray over a health, a financial um, report that you just recently had. Maybe you need to pray about joining the church, serving, getting plugged in, whatever it is. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's sing with all our heart, with all our voice right now. Let's come as the Lord leads.
take this. I know it didn't return void today. It spoke to a lot of people. It spoke to me in preparation this week as well. So let's take it. Let's go make an impact for Christ in our lives and those around us. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Keep our eyes on Jesus, even in the midst of a world that's so busy. So grab somebody, bring them to church. Don't miss the next few weeks, guys. It's going to be amazing. So thank you for being here. See you next Sunday. Starts to